Thanks for listening to The Vine's podcast. The Vine is a church in Austin, Texas, with the simple goal of following Jesus together. And we hope this message helps you in doing just that. Our scripture reading comes from Matthew 7, the first five verses. Listen now to the word of the Lord. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. This is the word of the Lord. So we are in the third week in our series called Guardrails, where we're exploring uh, the habits and the values and the culture that we hope that we're creating as a church community. Uh, if, you, if you consider this to be your church home and didn't hear the first two messages, I just really, really encourage you to go back and listen to them because this is, this is really who we are hoping that we're becoming as a church and as a community. Um, but this week, we're actually stepping into trickier waters as we explore how Scripture instructs for us how to handle conflict. And so the guardrail for this week is, is kept in this one statement, and it's this, that we will keep short, direct accounts of grace. Short, direct accounts of grace. This is how we're going to handle conflict. And I know it's not super obvious, even though the words account, uh, the reality is we might not think about this or talk about it in this way, but we actually, in many ways, we keep accounts with one another where we fail one another, where we step over each other's lines, where we, we insult each other. We, we know we naturally keep an account with one another. Like a ledger of wrongs, we can hold on to bitterness with, towards one another. But as we see in Scripture, following Jesus means that we have to learn a different way of handling conflict, resolving conflict. Now, if you know animals, you know that animals naturally have instincts towards conflict, that if an animal has a perceived threat, they'll have an instinct, either it's what? Fight or flight. It's just, it's deeply ingrained into that animal that either they're going to fight when they experience a conflict, or they're going to flight, they're going to run. So a possum plays dead, right? A deer darts off, a wild hog just goes right at the threat. And as much as we see that animals have these deeply ingrained instincts towards conflict, so it is with people. That each of us, we have our natural instincts when we approach conflict. Some of us, when we experience a perceived threat, we armor up. You know, we get our ammo out. We're ready. We're ready to go. Other people bail like I told some people, oh, this week we're talking about conflict resolution. And one person literally said, I'm excited. I'm not going to be there. Like they don't want to talk about conflict. They don't want to live with conflict. And other people, like my, I, I use humor to get out of it. I deflect it with humor and somehow I just disappear. Super helpful, especially in marriage. <laughs> Others just bolt. Others live in denial. We all have our natural instincts when it comes to conflict. So I'm a recovering people pleaser, and so I hate conflict. 
There was one summer where I was working at a camp, and I was called the program director, and I had two very specific roles. One role was I was like the fun captain. I I had to create skits and have the program nights and theme nights, and I loved that job, like to create fun for everyone. And the other part of my job was the disciplinarian. I hated that job, hated it. And it was really hard, too, because when I would have to sit down and have a really hard conversation, people were expecting me to be funny, and that just never paid off well with conflict. But for me, what I learned that summer is that conflict is not inherently bad, that conflict can be healthy. Now, I'm not talking about abuse or abusive relationships. That's not what I'm talking about. Uh, if, you, if you want to talk about that, I, I would love to talk to you about that. But I'm talking more about the conflict that's more natural and normal part of life. The interesting thing that we find is in conflict that we find that conflict is one of the primary ways that God forms us as God's person, as God's people. Proverbs 27, 17 says it like this. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Now, most of us want to grow and develop and mature as people. We might even want to say that we would love for God to sharpen us. But how does metal sharpen? Through heat and through conflict, through friction. And as much as we want to grow and develop as people, it seems that Proverbs is saying, just like iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. That, for me, sounds like conflict. I actually think it's, conflict is a sign that we've stepped into real relationships. That, that, like for us as a church, we can play church all day long. We can smile at each other, wear out those pews as much as you can. But a sign of being an actual relationship is when conflict emerges because it's just a natural part of sharing life together. And many of us don't have healthy models to borrow from. Maybe because the family of origin we grew up in didn't handle conflict perfectly. And maybe we look around this world and it's hard to see models of how conflict is done well. Maybe I'm not reading the same news that you are or living in the same world that you are, but I'm not finding many great examples of conflict resolution in this world, how to do it in a different way. So in the void of all of these models, of maybe a healthy model, the vine has this guardrail to keep in front of us, to teach us how maybe to step into conflict in a way that honors the way of Jesus. So, again, this guardrail is that we're going to keep short, direct accounts of grace. So I know this statement's not obvious, so we're going to break it down. Uh, First, we're going to keep short accounts. Too often in my own life... Uh, I do not keep short accounts with people. Something will happen, and rather than dealing with it and wrestling it out, I'll just let it linger. I'll sweep it under the rug, and it will just bug me. Instead of actually going through it, I'll bury it. I'll avoid it. And maybe I'm not alone in that. Anyone else? Anyone else there? Anyone else find themselves like a madman, like replaying a conflict by yourself? Like your shower head and your steering wheel probably have heard more arguments made by yourself than anyone else. Am I alone in that? There's wisdom in keeping short accounts with people. Not letting division happen. Not allowing a long time before you actually 
settle that account before you, you go to that person. A church planner by the name of Paul, he wrote to a church much like ours in a, in a place called Ephesus. He wrote it in Ephesians 5 or 4, 25. He says, therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully. You need to be honest with each other, he's saying, to your neighbor. For we are all members of one body, just like different parts of a body belong to each other, so are you. Even though you think that your life might be your own, you actually belong to one another. Verse 26, it goes on. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. Take care of the conflict you have. Do not let the sun set. Don't let the day go by before it's settled. And do not, verse 27, do not give the devil a foothold. We know Paul's words are true. We know what happens when we let bitterness take root in our life. It has this incredible ability to fester. So we keep short accounts so that anger doesn't bring on more sin, more bitterness, more anger. It doesn't create a foothold. So like with our conflicts, oftentimes we hold and carry seeds that if we're careless, we start scattering And we know that one problem becomes so much bigger. We're called to keep short accounts. Now, I have way too many examples of ways I've offended people. I know many of you, we could have like a testimony right now and everyone would line up and take turns saying, how have I offended you? I know I've done that many times. But I'm so good at it, I do it oftentimes unintentionally. Uh, There was a time at at a previous church where I was leading a fundraiser and I was selling tamales for Christmas time. And we sold a bunch of tamales, and this one guy just wouldn't come and get it. Like, it was well into January or February, and the tamales were still in the freezer of the church's kitchen. And I kept on calling him up. Come on, your tamales are frozen. You need to come get them. Finally, he showed up. And when I saw him, I said, oh, the prodigal son is finally here for his tamales. That's how I you know, entered in a conversation is I'm great at making really stupid pastor jokes, like biblical references like that. And I saw his face when he heard that, and it wasn't, like, funny to him. I probably, just because it wasn't funny to anyone else in this room. And, uh, what I didn't realize is that, uh, you know, his face was kind of somber. He grabbed his frozen tamales and went home. And months and months later, his wife pulled me aside. I'm talking months, like half a year or longer. His wife pulled me aside and said, hey, just let you know, you really offended my husband. I'm like, "Uh, what did I do? You know, I'm going through the mental library of all the things I could have said or done. And she said, when you called him the prodigal son, what I didn't realize is his, he has a brother who's a part of the church, and his brother was always the virtuous one the one who did everything right, the one who his brother thought he belonged at this church, he belonged in a religious community, but the other brother didn't. And for his whole life, he had this wound that he didn't belong. He was the prodigal. And so when I had my stupid pastor joke and he walked in, I had no clue that I was bouncing on a wound. And if he would have kept just a short account of of, you know, short account with me, we would have been able to clear that up. Instead, the devil had a foothold. Every time he saw me, I'm sure he was like, come on, shut up. Like, you know, like, get him out of the way. But instead, it's just this lingering sense of bitterness 
had a chance to fester. The enemy had a foothold. It was destructive. But a short account could have cleared this up and maybe even led to an opportunity to speak truth to a wound. Because I too, I am also a prodigal. This matters to God. This matters that we don't let bitterness linger. God wants us to be restored not only to God, but also restored with one another. Jesus makes us a priority. Listen to this. This is Matthew 5. I love this. Matthew 5, 23 and 24. Therefore, he's talking about how we worship together. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and remember that a brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar First, go and be reconciled, and then come and offer your gift. What, what Jesus is saying is that our first offering to God is not our money, it's not our resources, it's the unity that we have in our relationships. It's, God cares more about the reconciliation that we have as a community of people than he does your things. God cares more about the health of our relationships than our offerings, and we need short accounts. We need short accounts. But it doesn't mean being rash with just speaking whatever you want to with, with one another. It's crucially important to pause and to consider the conflict before speaking. Proverbs twelve eighteen says this. The words of the reckless pierce like swords. But the tongue of the wise brings healing. That it's easy to be reckless. It's easy for our, our words to become like swords. And there's wisdom in not choosing that. It's, I'm not saying when we keep short accounts, we just say what we mean as soon as we think it, as soon as we feel it. The work is we have to test ourselves. Instead of replaying how you're going to harm the other person with your words or slam them, you consider yourself. In our scripture reading, Jesus pointed this out. Jesus teaches us what we must do before we bring our offenses to one another. He said this in Matthew 7, 3. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention? I love this, the imagery of a plank in your own eye. And this is so human. We care, we see the speck in other people's eyes and we're completely clueless of the plank in our own eye. Jesus goes on to say, how can you say to your brother, let me take that speck out of your eye when all the time you have a plank in your own eye. We need to be sifted our thoughts and our emotions when we come to conflict of going, where, I call this plank work. Where is my plank in this situation? Where is my plank in this situation? We're often so blinded by it. Oftentimes, the emotions that flare up in conflict are indications of planks. It's, uh, I've had this experience. Uh, I had a crash course in conflict known as the first year of marriage. Anyone else? Am I alone in that? Uh, so for the first year of marriage, I had re- really never learned how to deal conflict well. And I didn't grow up in a family who was perfect at it by any means. And so when I got into our first year of marriage, it was super tricky. We, I learned quickly there's certain levels of conflict. There's a disagreement, and then there's an argument, and then there's a fight. And so for us, we, we had to figure out how to keep it at that disagreement level. But oftentimes, our first year of marriage was in the fight level. And the, the reality is, is that uh, oftentimes, I felt really justified to allow it to escalate to fights because Jen would do thing, something that would really tr- be a trigger for me. And while we're having an argument or even a disagreement, she would cut me off. She would cut me off in mid-sentence. And for me, I just felt really devalued. I felt uh, not honored. I felt really dishonored in that. 
And what she, and I would just, it would immediately, I would flare up and it would, things would escalate. And I would do, just like Proverbs said, I would use my tongue like a sword and I would feel a little bit justified by it. Um, what I, after a while, I realized, why in the world am I unable to be calm in this moment? And uh, after I did some plank work, I realized I grew up stuttering. And uh, so it was hard for me to speak until all the way through middle school. And I realized that I hated being cut off as a stutterer. It, it happened all the time, and I absolutely hated it. And without even knowing it, Jen was triggering something within me that just evoked a lot of anger. And because of the plank work that I got to do through many, many opportunities that first year of marriage, uh, I got to be able to be the point where I was able to be honest with Jen and say, this, I know I'm focusing on the speck in your eye of cutting me off of not being, having healthy relationships, but I know there's a plank of anger and, and just... It's just unhealthy, and I, I need to confess that to you. But also, I invited her into that wound. I said, hey, it means a lot to me if, just to feel heard, all the way through heard. And it actually fostered deeper intimacy that we had one another. And we haven't had an argument since. <laughs> when we have done the, done the work to consider ourselves... We must return to the, the call to have short accounts done with humility, done with where we look at the planks of our own eyes. But it's not enough just to keep short accounts. We want to keep short, direct accounts. What I mean by direct accounts is this, is one of the most destructive habits we have in conflict is, is having indirect accounts. When we have an issue with someone, rather than going straight to them, it's so tempting to go to someone else and invite them into it. Invite them into your frustration, to your emotions. To find an agreeable friend and share that issue so you feel, oh, I know I'm not alone in this. I know I'm justified in this. But the, when you do that, when you have indirect accounts, you've just doubled the issue. You just multiplied it. And the conflict has just been multiplied too. And we do this so much, also in church, right? But we cloak it in Christian language. Hey, I'm struggling with frustration. Can I tell you about something? Or even worse, uh, hey, we need to pray for Clint. Uh, he's really being an awful friend. Can I, we should got to pray for him. And you just kind of, and we just, we, we cloak it in this Christian language. Sorry, Clint. Uh, it's not true. He's a great guy. But, um, we slander, we gossip, we bicker, and we do it behind your back. We don't have direct accounts. A story goes in a, in a small town, uh, this person was caught gossiping and slandering someone else, and they were asked to go to the priest to talk about it. And the priest, envisioning, visiting with this individual, uh, the individual said, yeah, I, I've been doing that. What do I need to do? And the priest told him to do something odd. He said, I want you to climb up to the bell tower of the chapel with a pillow, a feather pillow. So he did it. He went up there with him. He's like, all right, now tear it open. And it was a, it was a windy day, so he, he tore it open. Feathers went all over this little town. And the guy was like, okay, good. I'm done. I've absolved my sin. I'm good, right? And... This, uh, this priest said, if you want to be justified, if you want to learn the damage of this, now go gather all the feathers. 
And this man began to realize, as impossible as it would be to gather all these feathers again and put it back into this pillowcase, so it is when we gossip, when we slander, when we have indirect accounts with one another. It's the same thing. We must keep direct accounts. This was Jesus' commandment to us in Matthew 18, 15. It says, if your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. And if they listen, you have won them over. If we've done the hard work of looking in the mirror to see where we are maybe at fault, where are the planks in my own eye, then we go to that person directly. That's Jesus' next step. But we often don't do this. A friend, a friend of mine was on staff at a church, and, and uh, he went to go visit with the pastor to complain about a coworker. And so he plopped down on the pastor's couch with his cup of coffee and just started into his complaint about the coworker. And the pastor just kind of goes, hey, can you hold on a second? And the pastor left, and he came back with that person and sit, sat him down on the couch right next to him and said, Okay, so Jay has something to say to you about something that's bothering him. And then the pastor left, shut the door of the office, and just left these two to work it out. Now, what's genius about this, my friend Jay was pointing out, is guess what? He never did again. He never complained to the pastor ever again about a coworker. It was genius. Saved so much time. But for me, when I hear that story, I mean, that's the kind of community I want to be. Maybe not that extreme, but one, when we we have an offense, we have something we're trying to work through, for us to look at each other in the eye and say, what was it like when you talked to them about that? What was that experience like? Because that seems to be Jesus' next step, and we oftentimes want to go past that to bring other people into this. But that's the kind of church I want to be. I want to be a church that we keep short Direct accounts. But lastly, I want to do this, that we so keep short, direct accounts of grace. This guardrail ends with the word grace because the goal of healthy conflict is an act of grace. It's restoration. Restored relationships between God and with people. Jesus declared in Matthew five nineteen on the Sermon of the Mount, he said this, Blessed are the peacemakers, For they will be called children of God. When we make peace in this world, we will be called, we will be known as children of God. Why? Well, when we make peace, we display the one whose child we are. We, the one who has established true peace. The one who was not afraid of stepping into icky, weird conflict in this world, who wasn't afraid of stepping into the failures that we bring into our lives, but we followed the one who stepped into sin and disunity and brought about healing. For Jesus is the prince of peace. So when we exist in this world, and I think this world is desperately looking for peacemakers, when we step into this world and we make and we bring about peace, we're displaying who Jesus is. The Prince of Peace. We are making ourselves known to be a child of God. And don't you wish the church was famous for bringing peace? Don't you wish that wish when, there's, when there was disunity that they knew that they could come to the church and we are known as peacemakers? That's who Jesus wants us to be. And as we live in this individualistic 
culture where everything is my business and it's not my business to step in your business. As we live in this world, I think it's more and more difficult to step into each other's lives and seek peace. But we belong to each other. Just like members of one body, when one part of the body hurts, the rest of the body hurts. We all hurt. And we will find ways, if we're, if we're, not, if we're not careful, we'll find ways to not make it my business when you hurt. We'll find ways to make it not my business when you're stepping outside of what God wants for you, the peace that God wants from you. We'll even quote our scripture reading. We'll even quote that, Matthew 7. Do not judge or you will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with that measure you use, it will be measured to you. We'll say that to each other, right? Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. And we'll stop there. We'll use this proof text to say, it's none of my business. I don't want to judge. God's the only judge. I know I got my own work. I got planks I got to take care of. It's none of my business if this person's hurting or this person is choosing an unpeaceful life. It's none of my business. But we need to remember the rest of Jesus' statement here. He went on to say, first take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. That's the end goal. We must be humble and honest with ourselves, so careful not to judge. We need to consider our planks and remove them so that we can take the speck out of our brother's eye, our sister's eye. Our goal is that everyone could see clearly. The goal is that we all could be restored. And I love the imagery of taking a speck out of someone's eye. You can't do that from a distance. You can't do that violently. It's an act of gentleness and intimacy and vulnerability on both parts of saying, I trust you. I trust you to help me see well. When people are restored, when they can see clearly, they've experienced grace in the midst of conflict. And thank God that he loved us enough to step into the mess in our own lives, to bring us back from our failures, to remind us who we are, and to allow us to see clearly. For our community, we're going to seek that kind of healthy conflict where we keep short, direct accounts of grace, knowing that that is an act of love and mercy. And we're even going to practice this today. If the band comes forward, we're, we're going to do something out of our comfort zones, out of our normal habits with each other. And so um, for those of you who hate conflicts, get comfortable. Um, we, I want to give us an opportunity to experience peace, the peacemaking that Jesus uh, calls us to experience. We're going to have communion. And if our community service can go ahead and come forward, we're going to have communion like we do most Sundays up, up here. If you maybe feel far from God or you need to experience that peace from Jesus, we have these two communion stations up here at the front. We invite you to take and remember the Prince of Peace. Or maybe you have some plank work you need to do. Maybe you know in the midst of your bitterness and your judgment of other people, maybe you need to do some plank work in your own self to see where am I at, where am I at fault Where am I blind in the midst of this relationship, in the midst of this conflict? Where am I not seeing right? So maybe you need to spend some time in prayer. 
Maybe you've been carrying around an unconfessed sin. Maybe you've had something that's been weighing you down. Maybe it's an offense you caused someone else. Or maybe it's an offense that someone caused you and it's just been a burden to you. We're going to have people in the back of the room. Y'all go ahead and stand up and head back there. People in the back of the room to to pray with you. Because we think that prayers are powerful. James 5, 16 says this, Therefore, if you confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. So maybe instead of taking communion or sitting in prayer, maybe you need to go pray with some people. They're going to be in the back of the room. Or finally, maybe you need to take one next step into stepping into conflict with each other, seeking a short, direct account. There are pieces of paper uh, set on these window seals, the back uh, four window seals. Maybe what you need to do is actually take this next step of getting a piece of paper and a pen and writing out what you need to share with someone else. Maybe you need to write out, this is something that's, I was done a while ago. It's been something I've carried with me. Or maybe you need to write out a letter to someone admitting a fault that you've done. This is your time. Uh, We invite you to engage with Christ in this moment as you need. Um, So this room is just going to be open for you guys to move around. We have this next song uh, to be a time for us to seek clearly, for us to seek peace. And remember this opportunity for grace and mercy for us today. Let us pray. We thank you, Jesus, for the invitation for us to to experience you, to see peace. And I pray for us as a church community that we would find a different way of honoring you, of knowing you. So I pray for us, Lord Jesus, that we would hurt when the other person hurts. When someone is in pain, that we would experience that and out of love, go and to meet with them. And I pray for us in this room, who we're not, we're not great at conflict. I pray, God, that even today, even right now, we would, we would learn in growing how to have a short, direct account of grace. So reveal to us what we need to do even this moment. We pray in the powerful name of Christ. Amen.